So you guys, welcome Noah. You know, over the last couple of weeks, this is you know what week four or so of, of this series. Um, it has been so encouraging every single week to come in here and see you guys around those tables having conversations. And the fact that you guys are committed and coming each and every week and spending your time and doing this, uh, I think says a lot about you and your desire to, to seek after the Lord. And I want to thank you for your commitment to be here. We really are so excited. You know, I heard somebody say one time that a river can never rise higher than its source. You know, you think about it, you never see a river running up a mountain. It's always down the mountain. The source of the river is always the highest part of that river. And I think it's the true, same, same truth with spiritual uh, discipline and really with the, with the church. I believe that God has established men to be leaders within the church. And the higher that we're able to raise the level of spirituality and godliness and discipline of our men, I believe we'll see a lift in our entire church. So thank you for your commitment to studying disciplines and, and talking around your tables. You know, the most important thing that happens tonight uh, very clearly is not going to be me up here talking. The most important thing that's going to happen tonight is you guys talking around the table, taking what God says to you and applying it to your own life, taking what God specifically says and making it personal to you. That is the most important thing that's going to happen. So I encourage you when we do the table talks, really take that seriously and, and take opportunities to really apply God's word to your life. You know, every, every week when we do this, we always end the sessions with one question. What is your next step? And we'll do the same tonight. And as we walk, I want to encourage you to, to be praying and asking God, what is my next step? Uh, I want to introduce, uh, uh, Jason Introduce myself. I want to introduce you uh, to my family. Uh, they're a big part of my story. And anytime I get a chance to show pictures, I'm always going to show a picture of my family. Uh, so this is me and my wife, Rose. Rose and I have been married for seven and a half years. And anybody here that knows Rose knows that she is by far the best thing about me. Uh, this next slide is a picture of my four kids. So there on the left is Asa. He is about to turn five years old. On the right, that is Augie. He has uh, just turned three years old. And in the middle, that is our twins, Meg and Ellie. Don't ask me which one's which. Uh, one of those is Meg. One of those is Ellie. Uh, and they are about to turn two years old. Uh, and so uh, somebody was talking to me the other day and just talking about, you know, what all we have going on at the church. And they said, man, you, you must be busy. And I said, man, I don't talk about busy at my home. Uh, every day my wife is dealing with these four kids. And when I come home, the last thing I'm going to do is talk about how busy my day is. Uh, so she is by far the best part about me. And uh, we'll talk more about them in, in a little bit because they're a big part of the story I'm going to share tonight. You know, we're going to uh, talk, Jason said, about fasting. Three weeks ago, uh, we got to hear from Derek as he talked about scripture intake and, and Bible reading and memorization and, and just how we spend time in God's Word. Uh, two weeks ago, we got to hear from Jason Pyron as he talked about the way a man worships. He talks about, you know, corporate worship and private worship and how we worship the Lord. Last week, we had an opportunity to hear from Drew as he talked about prayer and journaling. I hope you guys had a chance to hear that. If not, I pray that you'll go and, and take a look at it. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the discipline of fasting, but I want to do it a little differently tonight. I don't want to just talk about the facts of fasting. I, you probably heard some of that sometimes, um, and, and we can do that for sure uh, at times. But what I want to do tonight, what I felt the Lord lead me to do, is to take a step back and talk about it in a different way. You know, there's a lot of things we could talk about. We could talk about the mandate to fast. You know, I believe that God expects each one of us at times in our life to do uh, certain different types of fast depending on what he calls us. Uh, Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he didn't say, if you fast. What did he say? When you fast. And there's an expectation there built into that, to that language that, hey, when you fast, this is something that you're supposed to do. We could talk about the different types of fast. You know, there's Daniel fast, where people just fast from anything except for vegetables. There's juice fast, when you uh, 
can fast from anything but water and juice. There are ways that people fast from entertainment and social media and TV. There's a lot of different ways that God might call somebody to fast. And what is fasting? It's simply doing without something for a spiritual purpose. And so there are a lot of things that you can fast from in life, and it could look different for each one of us. And there are different lengths of fast. You know, once a month, on the third of every month, our church is fasting and praying. Our pastor has called us to do that, to pray for our city. So that's a one-day fast. Sometimes you'll, you'll fast for a meal if you're praying through a situation or, or praying for uh, something that's happening in that moment. You can fast for a week, a month, or even longer. Uh, there's a lot of different lengths of fast. And so you look at all the variations of, of what type of fast, how long. There's a lot of different types of fast. And what I want to do tonight is, is not walk through all that and, 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 and unpack that. At the end, we'll give you some resource that you can go to if you want to walk through and kind of read through those different types. But what I want to do tonight is I want to take a step back and look at the foundation, I believe, of the spiritual dis- the discipline of fasting. And ultimately, I think this is the foundation of any spiritual discipline, and that's obedience. Now, if you're like me, you don't like to be obedient all the time. Now, there's something built into us as human beings that just likes to, to rebel a little bit and to go our own way. There's very few of us that just truly enjoy submitting our will to the will of another person. It's not something that is built into us. I can give you four very easy examples of this on the screen. These are four kids that do not like it when I tell them no. Uh, They will scream no back at me. They will do all this stuff, and they do not like to be told no. And from it's obvious from birth that it's just in them that sin nature that they like to disobey. They do not like to, to give obedience. Now, if I'm honest, I can give you another example of six people who do not like to obey. It's not just the kids. It's all of us. It's you. It's, it's me. Uh, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll throw the kids under the bus, but none of us truly like to obey. We like to go our own way. Oftentimes when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we have the attitude that James and John, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, had. We would never say this out loud, but if we're honest with ourselves, this is how we pray a lot of times in Mark 10, 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. It's a little backwards if you, if you look at it, but that's what they're saying. And, and so often we do the same thing. We go and we pray and we say, All right, Lord, here are the things that I need for you to do today. Now, when it really comes down to it, that's not the basis of our relationship with the Lord. Now, obviously, the Bible says that God is a good heavenly father who likes to give good things to his children. The Bible says that the Lord wants us to cast our cares on him and wants us to talk about those things. But that's not where it starts. That's not the core of our relationship with the Lord. Our mandate ultimately is to follow Jesus Christ, not to lead, not to tell him what to do, but to simply obey We need to do what the mother of Jesus, Mary, told the people at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. This is what she said in John 2, 5. Jesus' mother said to to the servants, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And that really ought to be the motto of our lives. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. And if we just did that, our lives would look a lot different, and we would be such better, more obedient followers of Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. You know, a long, when I was growing up, and you still see them occasionally, we would wear the, the bracelets that said WWJD. What do those stand for? What would Jesus do? And obviously, that's a great question, and there, you could not have a better role model, model than Jesus. There's nobody better that you could follow than Jesus himself. So what would Jesus do? Great question. But the thing is, is most of the time, we honestly don't even need to ask that question because Jesus has already told us what we're supposed to do. And if we just listen to what the Lord tells us, we know 
what to do. Jesus said this to his disciples, gave a very clear mandate in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus tells his disciples that the easiest and best way for them to measure their love for him is simply this. Are you obeying what I told you to do? Are you obeying my commandments? Now, when it comes to Jesus' commandments, there's two aspects, I think. You have to, there's the hearing of it. That's one thing. And then there's the obeying of it, which is a totally different thing. Now, I think of the two, obeying is where we struggle so often. If you want to hear the voice of God, I believe you can. I, I fully believe that God is not attempting to hide his will from us in any way. God is not attempting to hide his commandments from us. He makes them very obvious. In fact, he's given us his word. And if we look at all the guys in this room, we could probably produce three or four Bibles for every guy that we have in this room. Bible, a shortage of Bibles is not our problem. Access to God's word is not our problem. If you have any kind of computer, phone, or tablet, you have every version of scripture that's ever been translated at your fingertips. Access and the ability to hear God's word is not our problem. But here's our problem. Are we willing to truly listen and are we willing to obey? Jesus said this to his disciples, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus says that if you are truly his follower, that you will hear his voice and that you'll recognize it and that you'll be able to follow him. Now you say, no, Noah, that's, it's different. Jesus was physically standing there with him and they, he heard, they literally heard his voice. It's, it's different now that Jesus isn't walking along earth with us. And you're right, it's absolutely different. Not only is it different, it's much better. In fact, Jesus said that it was to our benefit, our advantage that he no longer stay on the earth. Jesus ascending to heaven was for our benefit as believers today. And this is why Jesus said this in John 16, 12, and 13. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't handle them right now. You can't bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you, disclose to you what is to come. Jesus said that, hey, when I'm gone, I'm, I'm physically here with you, but, but I'm physically here in this spot. If I'm here, I can't be over there. There's only one spot I can be while I'm on this earth physically. But when the Holy Spirit is sent, when the Holy Spirit comes, he lives inside every single believer and he is speaking to each one of us. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, 21, that our ears will hear a voice, a word behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, it's to our benefit that Jesus is no longer here physically with us because we have the Spirit. And we're able to hear the commands that, that the Spirit brings to us. And he's reminding us of what the Scriptures say and reminding us of what Jesus has already said. And he is speaking to us and telling us, this is the way, walk in it, whether we're supposed to turn to the right or to the left. You know, obedience, like I said, is a, is a hard thing sometimes. Uh, it's not always hard to know what we're supposed to do, but actually doing it is a lot more difficult than it might seem. About eight years ago, nine years ago, I was taking some classes at Union University. They had a satellite extension campus in Carrieville at the Stephen Olford Center. Uh, and I was taking classes on Tuesday and Thursday night, 6 to 9 p.m. So I'd leave work and, and I'd go and I, and I had my routine. I knew exactly what time I was going to leave. I knew what I was going to do when I got there, all that type of stuff. But one time I was running a little late. But one thing I had in my routine is every time I'd go to class, I'd stop by a Walgreens. There's a Walgreens like maybe two minutes from the, from the campus. And it was on the way. So I'd stop there. And every Tuesday and Thursday night, I would stop. And I'd get a yellow Gatorade and a Hershey bar. Now, if I was feeling like extra, extra good, I'd get the Hershey bar with the almonds in it. But normally, it was just the final uh, Hershey bar. 
And so that's why I was able to keep such an amazing figure, is eating that twice a week on the way to class. But we would go to, I'd go to this class uh, every, twice a week, and I'd always go and get this. So one day I'm running late to class, uh, and class has already started. I'm, I'm a few minutes late. I'm, I'm pulling near the campus. And I see that Walgreens. I'm like, I, I have to do it. I'm, I'll be a few extra minutes late, but it, it's going to be worth it because I need this. Uh, as I was walking into Walgreens, uh, there appeared to be what, right next to the, the door, what appeared to be a, a homeless guy. And as clear as day, the Holy Spirit said, share the gospel with him. And right then I said, I'm really late for class. I've got to get there. I can't do this. And so I went in, still bought my Gatorade, still bought my, my Hershey bar. I walked out, and I heard the Spirit again say, hey, share the gospel. I'm looking at the time. Hey, class started five minutes ago. I've got to get there. You know, we're really good at excuses, aren't we? We're really good at finding the reason that God didn't realize that we couldn't actually do that. And so I walk, and ironically, I walk into a class that night on personal evangelism. Uh, and so I, I'm running late. I make a priority to go get this, this Gatorade and this candy bar. But I did not listen to the Spirit of the Lord telling me, hey, you need to share the gospel with this person. You know, and, and, and Brother Steve sometimes says, how do you know that was the voice of God telling you that? Well, because I wasn't going to do that. That's not what I want to do naturally. And I know it wasn't the devil telling me to share the gospel. So it had to have been the Lord. And so why do I tell you that example? Man, each one of us, we hear the, the Spirit of God. We hear the voice of God telling us and prompting us to do things all the time. But we are so good at excuses. We're so good at finding the reason we shouldn't do it, finding the way out of what God has called us to do. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment around your table and answer this question. What is something that God has recently told you to do, and how did you respond? I want you to answer that question. I obviously just told an example of a time that I did not respond well. I told you that example because I want you to feel honest. I want you to have, feel the freedom to be honest. You know, Nobody in this room answers and obeys the voice of God every single time. And maybe this is something that you've heard in, in this class from scripture memory or way we should worship or scripture, uh, prayer and journaling. Maybe you've heard something in this class that God has told you to do. I want you to be honest. What is, that, what is that thing that God has recently told you to do and how did you respond? We'll come back in just a minute and we'll finish up. All right, guys, I'd love to hear from maybe a couple tables. Is there anything that stuck out to you guys? Maybe uh, if you want to get permission to share something that you've heard at your table. What's something that God has been speaking to you guys about lately? Anything, anything you heard pop out at the table? Or anybody want to share uh, their own answer? No answers. What's that? Yeah, ministry and serving? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just following the, those prompts to, to serve somebody else or do those little things. A lot of times it's those little things that God calls us to do that feel like such a big deal to us in the moment. Uh, but like you said, you're the one that ends up blessed at the end of those times. Yeah, what I want to do, I want to spend the rest of our time here tonight walking you through a journey that the Lord took me on this year. And I'll go ahead and disclaim this at the, at the beginning. I won't say it again, uh, but I pray that you'll, that you'll understand it. I'm not here at all tonight to put a spotlight on myself. I'm not in any way attempting to say, look at me. Uh, if I could take away the following examples and, and wipe my name from it, I really would. Um, but I really do feel like the Lord has called me to share this journey and share this story that he, uh, journey that he took me on. Um, and so if we'll walk through it, and I hope the Lord will use it to, to speak to you and to challenge you when it comes to obedience and, and to your faith. So January 17th this year, I was just reading through my Bible reading plan. I had started a new Bible reading plan this year. Uh, I'd never done this plan before, and I was just working through the year. On Jan January 17th, I came across this verse in Matthew chapter 17, well, 19 and 20. He says this, 
Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, hey, why could we not drive it out? He's referring to a, a demon that they were trying to, uh, to cast out of somebody, and they weren't able to do it. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and he casts the demon out. And they say, hey, why, why couldn't we do that? And this is Jesus' answer. He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you'll say to this mountain, from, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And that verse just jumped out off the page into my heart, and, and I kept asking myself this question, do I really believe what Jesus just said there? Do I really believe that it's possible that my faith is limiting my ability to do what God has called me to do? Do I really believe that if I have enough faith, that the Lord will do incredible things? Or, or do I think Jesus was just exaggerating there or just, just making something up? Do I really believe Jesus? Do I take him at his word there or do I not? Two weeks later, so, uh, January 31st, uh, Sunday morning, I was helping our pastor put his microphone on before the, the service. He looks over at me and says, hey, have you heard about what's going on at Long Hollow? And uh, just the difference between me and Steve Gaines, I thought, oh, gossip, I can't wait for this. Uh, and you know Steve Gaines, that's not what was going to come next. He says, hey, the Lord is really blessing there. He's really dropped down. Since the beginning of the year, and this is one month into the year, they've seen 400 people baptized, and the Lord's just moving all over that place. And he was so excited about it. Well, two days later, it's Tuesday night, the pastor took a group from our church, about 15 or 20 of our staff, and, and he was saying, hey, if God is moving and dropping just three hours from us, there's no way we're not going to go check it out and, and see and, and just be near where the, the Lord is moving. So we took a group. We went over there on a Tuesday night when they had their prayer service at the time. And we got to go. And, and the cool thing was we got there a little early, and we were able to sit down with with their pastor, Robbie Gallaty, and he was able to share the story of how God had been working in their church, but more importantly, how God had been working in his own life. And he said several things about how in the middle of the pandemic and COVID, and he was just discouraged and things were hard, and and he finally just got to the end of himself. He said, God, you're going to have to fix this church. I can't fix it. You have to fix this church, and you have to fix all these people. I can't do it, and I'm not able to do it. I can't take this anymore. He said he kept praying, and night after night, he was just seeking the Lord on it. And finally, the Lord said, hey, it's not the church that's the problem. It's, it's not these other people that's the problem. It's you. And do you, do you really believe? Are you going to seek after me? And so in, in, a, in a move of desperation, and he was just exhausted from ministry, and he was fight, felt like he was having to fight on his own. In, in, a, in desperation, he just started seeking after the Lord. And he did what, what's called silence and solitude. He would spend time each and every night just sitting on his back porch in the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to sit in total silence. It's hard. It's really, really hard to do, uh, especially for an extended amount of time. We like noise. We like to you know, tap on stuff. When we sleep, we have fans on. We like noise. And so he was totally desperate for the Lord. And he would spend that time, sometimes up to an hour or so, sitting on his back porch, just in silence and solitude, waiting to hear from the Lord. And slowly the Lord started working on his heart and changing and teaching him things and showing him areas of his life where he had pride and he had issues. And the Lord started just dramatically changing Robbie Gallaty. And the Lord started moving in the church and the, the enemy started attacking and they started seeing all this movement and then they saw all these people baptized. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, faith, it's, it's like a muscle. You know, sometimes your, your, your faith is going to be weak, and, and you have to use it, and you have to use whatever you can. You're not going to be able to walk up and, and pick up a couple hundred pounds and bench press two, three hundred pounds on your first time to the gym. 
but you have to work your way up to it slowly. I've been to the gym a lot of times, and I still can't even bench anywhere close to that, so I'm not a good example there. But he was saying with uh, when it comes to faith, it's a muscle. You've got to use it. You've got to build it up slowly. You've got to slowly build it up. And the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And so that, that picture of faith being a muscle that we have to exercise and stretch and use, it really, really uh, stuck in my mind. So we finished that time, and, and we go into the service. And this was February of this year, you know, pretty peak time in terms of COVID. It felt like we were totally back in time. Uh, everyone was packed to the front of the room. The, when I sat down, my, my knees were touching the chair in front of me. Everyone's side by side. And, and it's, uh, it's just one of those moments where it's like, well, I, I remember doing this kind of thing, but it's been a while. You know, it felt like you're in the middle aisle of the airplane, just having to sit there with no armrest. And for a year, you know, for over a year now at Bellevue, we were every other row and space between us. So it was just such a, 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 an interesting thing. I was just kind of packed in there. And then the service started. And the second the service started, I heard the Lord tell me, prop me in the heart, hey, I want you to go kneel and pray at that altar. So I sat there, I was like, eh, the, the service hasn't really even started yet. Um, they're not calling anybody down. I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait a little bit until it makes more sense. And the Lord said, go kneel and pray. I was like, uh, my, it's tight. Like literally Steve Gaines is sitting right next to me and his knees are touching the chair in front of him. So if I get up, he's going to have to get out. It's going to be really awkward and uncomfortable for everyone. I'll just wait till maybe we're standing. Maybe that'll be a better moment. The Lord said, no, go go kneel and pray. And so me being the great person I am said, Lord, I don't want this to be about me. Uh, so if I stand up right now, everyone's going to look at me and think maybe I'm making a show or what if you, you know, I'll do it a little later. I, I, don't, I don't know what people are going to think about this. And the Lord said, go kneel and pray. And so at this point, I'm like, all right, it's clear that, that he wants me to do this, but let's really, really make sure. So uh, on the stage, they had a, a big old LED wall on the stage uh, at, of this church. And if you're not familiar how LED walls work, they're essentially a bunch of small screens that are put together and they make one one large screen. So I, I was sitting where I could kind of see behind the LED wall a little bit. And uh, on the back of every single LED panel uh, was two lights, a, a red light and a green light. The red light usually shows that the section of it has power and the green light usually shows maybe it has communication, it's connected, it's getting signal. And so you look and you see just light after light, red, 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 just left and right, left and right, up and down, up and down, probably 40 of them. Same thing with green. Everyone has a red light, a green light, except for one panel. Uh, one panel didn't have its green light on. So I said, all right, Lord, this shouldn't be hard. If, we can tur- if you turn that green light on, I'll go and I'll kneel and I'll pray. And you know what happened? The light did not turn on. But instantly I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, so you're willing to go down and kneel and pray because the light turns green but you're not willing to do it because I told you to. And at that moment, I looked down. I'm like, I do not need to see this light turn green. I need to, I need to figure this out. And I, I'm wrestling. I'm like, all right, I have to do it. I have to get down there before this light turns green because I really don't want to get up after that light turns green at this point. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going to go in five, four, three, two, one. And I kind of readjust. And, and I'm, I'm building. I'm trying to psych myself up. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And this whole thing, we're probably like 15 seconds into the service now. This thing has been... You know, it, it seemed like an eternity, though. And finally, I, I get up the nerve. I'm like, all right, I know that light's about to turn green, and I really don't need that light to turn green. And so I, I stood up and kind of worked my way out of the aisle and walked my way to the front of the, of the auditorium. I knelt and I prayed, and I had a really bad attitude about it. And these were my first words. All right, Lord, now what? And I sat there. I'm like, I don't want to be here. This is totally not my personality to be the only one down here kneeling. I don't like this. 
why, why am I here? I felt nothing. And then I, I stayed there, and slowly I felt the Lord working on my heart and softening my heart. And I started thinking about my kids and, and my wife. And, you know, my, my wife wasn't expecting me to be gone on that Tuesday night, and she's dealt with them all day. And now she's having to put them to bed and deal with bedtime by herself, when that's normally a great time for her to have a break. And so I just started praying for my family, praying that Rose would have the patience and the wisdom to lead, and that the kids would, would behave well, and that they wouldn't fight, and that they would obey, that they would obey Rose. And I just prayed for the, my family and just prayed for some other things. After a little bit, I got up and went back to my seat. We finished the service. We got on the bus. We came home to Memphis that night. I didn't really talk to anybody about, about what the Lord had told me or his calling or, or anything like that. It just, I, didn't, I was still processing. I didn't even know what to expect or what had happened. And so Wednesday goes by, and I'm, I'm just thinking on it on Wednesday. I'm like, how strong is my faith muscle? Do I really believe when the Lord tells me to do something that I'm going to do it? Do I really trust the Lord? Man, I'm glad that light didn't turn green before I went down there. Man, that was weird. I'm thinking through all these things and just still processing this entire night. So Thursday comes, me and my wife Rose still haven't even debriefed at all in the evening. We haven't had a chance with the four kids. It's sometimes crazy. Uh, and so we haven't even chance. Thursday night, we're heading out to our life group, which is off campus on Thursday nights. And we start talking about it. And I'm, I'm telling her about the, about the, the before time with Robbie Gowdy and just telling her the story of how the Lord was working there. And, and I, I didn't say anything about the kneel and pray because I didn't even know how to say it. It was just one of those things that was, I don't know, it just still felt really weird. So I didn't even know how to talk about it. So we were talking, and I, and I said, so how was your night? And she says, you know, uh, everything was set up to, like, where it, it, I felt like it shouldn't have, have gone well, but everything, it was actually a really, really good night. And then what she said this, listen to this. You know, it was like somebody was on their knees praying for us. And in that moment, the Lord taught me something that I don't think I'll ever forget. The Lord taught me that God will never waste our obedience. Every time we obey, God uses our obedience. It's a never wasted thing when we obey the Lord. When I was at Long Hollow, I didn't know what Rose was going through. I didn't know, more importantly, what she was going to be going through. But I did know that God called me to kneel and to pray. And looking back, I fully believe that moment that I knelt and prayed, the moment I obeyed and did what the Lord called me to do, that he sent an angel over to Bartlett, Tennessee, to take care of my family and to protect them and to do far beyond what I would have ever thought or even knew that needed to happen. The Lord was so good to show me the answer to my prayer. And the Lord was so good to show me why he called me to pray. And that may not have been all. I have no idea why the Lord totally called me to pray in that moment. But he was so good to show me that. And he's under absolutely no obligation to tell us why he asked us to do something. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 17.10. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded of you, you should say this, we are unworthy slaves. We have, done, we have done only that which we ought to have done. That needs to be our attitude. When God calls us to do something, it's not about, well, why? why are you gonna, how are you going to use that? What, what is this? For? No, that's not what it's about. It's not our job to put the pieces of the puzzle together. It's our job to simply obey and leave the rest with God. Now, every once in a while, he really is good and he pulls that curtain back and shows us the results. I think he does that to help build our faith and to encourage us as we go along. But he's under no obligation to do that. And I fully believe that when we pray, things happen all around us that we'll never know happened. And it's not up to us. And it's not really our, our prerogative to know that because we, as servants of the Lord, have simply done that which we ought to have done. It's not about us. It's about our obedience to the Lord. 
So two days, two or three days later is that Saturday. I'm just reading in my, my Bible reading plan, still just continuing day to day with what the path I'd said at the beginning of the year. And I read this verse in Mark, these two, three verses in Mark chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took him, took with him Peter and James and John, and he brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. Now, every time I read that passage, I always think back to something that uh, our pastor said one time when he was preaching on the transfiguration. He said, you know, the interesting thing here, you get Elijah, you have Moses, and you have Jesus. The thing that, one thing that ties those three guys together is that those are the only three people in Scripture that we know of that completed a 40-day fast. And they're here on this mountain together, and they're talking. Uh, and I would love to have heard that conversation. And you have really the, the law and the prophets and the New Testament, the New Covenant, all represented there together. Uh, but the, just whenever I think of the transfiguration, I always think of the fact that the, th- the common thing that those had, one of the things they had was that they were the only three in Scripture that had completed a 40-day fast. And I continue to, to read in that, that day, to reading and go down in verse 23. And the, he, it's the same situation we heard about in the beginning where the disciples couldn't cast out a demon and Jesus did it. And the, the dad of the boy that was demon said, Lord, if you can, please save my boy. And Jesus says this, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And uh, as clear as I've ever felt the Lord talk to me, he connected that 40 days and he connected the idea. In this passage, he also talks about some things are only done by prayer and by fasting. And the Lord, as clearly as I've ever felt, said, hey, I want you to, to do a 40-day 40 40 fast ending on Easter. So I was like, uh... I didn't obey right away, and I said, all right, Lord, here's a test. Do you really want me to do that? And so I pulled out a calendar, and I said, all right, February 23rd. If you haven't noticed already, I'm really good at finding these ways for God to confirm what he's telling me to do. Uh, not so good at always obeying, but I'm really good at finding the reasons I shouldn't. So I look back and say, all right, if it ended on, on Easter, that would begin on February 23rd. I said, all right, Lord, here, it, it's simple. I'm going to look ahead at that day's Bible reading. And all I want is just simply just something in one of those passages about fasting. Uh, it can be anything. It can just be the word fast. It can be that somebody, Peter ran fast. I don't care. It just needs to say the word fast. And so I look ahead and I get to Luke chapter 9 and I'm skimming through it and I come across this starting at verse 28. Some eight days later after these sayings, he took along Peter and James and he went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. And his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him. And they were Moses and Elijah. So looking ahead in that fleece I had put out before the Lord, if you will, what the Lord had spoken to me on that day was the Mark account of the transfiguration. And the Lord calls me very specifically to a date. I look at that date, and it's the Luke account of the exact same passage of Scripture. So I told my wife, I was like, I'm stupid. I'm not that stupid. You know, you, you, there are certain times in life where you can see things, and it's just so clear. And so February 23rd of this year, I began a, a journey of an extended period of fasting. And with the Lord's help, I was able to, to complete that fast. And was it easy? Um, not, not always. You know, it, it's not, it, it wasn't always the most difficult thing. Once you kind of get in a groove, some, I mean, it's, it's really good at times. But yeah, it was hard. Sometimes it's hard when you're sitting at a dinner table and, 
people are going out somewhere and you, you already set something up and you're sitting at a Mexican meal and you love Mexican and there's like so much queso and nobody's touching it and it's all yours, but you can't. You, know, you run into those situations. And yeah, it's hard at times. It's awkward when, you, when you're not the one eating and it's mealtime. And it was awkward sometimes even at home. And obviously my family knew what I was doing, but not eating with them and, and stuff. It was hard at times, but I'll tell you this. The reward, the reward of having that time with the Lord far outweighed any difficulty that was represented. And that was, was that just because I did a 40-day fast? No, absolutely not. That was because, I, I believe, it was because I was obeying what the Lord had called me to do. I would never walk away tonight and say, so you need to do a 40-day fast. Now, I think if that's what God calls you to do, then absolutely do it. You can trust him. He can build that faith muscle, and he will give you everything that you need to do it. But maybe God's calling you to do a one-day fast. Maybe God's calling you on the third of every month to pray and fast along with our church. Whatever God calls you to do when it comes to fasting, that's what you should do. Yeah, I would never start an extended fast, really any fast, if I didn't really think that God was calling me to do it. You know, fasting and praying, we talked about is doing without something for a spiritual purpose. And I believe pastor says this, fasting puts your prayer life into high gear. I heard somebody else say one time that fasting, when you fast, it puts heaven on high alert that you're serious about something, that you're about to get serious. You're putting heaven on high alert. What I learned is this, is that I'm convinced that when we fast, God doesn't necessarily speak to us more. But I'm convinced that when we're fast, we're, we fast, we're able to hear God better. It clears distractions out of our lives. It helps us to be able to focus. And the added time, obviously, if you're not eating or if you're, you're fasting from social media or from TV, you know, spending that extra time with the Lord and praying and and reading scripture, the Lord really uses that, and he speaks to you in a new way. But I think more than anything, we're able to hear from him in a new way. So why do I tell you this story? Honestly, like I said at the beginning, this has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with putting a spotlight on me or saying that you should do what I did. That's not, if you walk away with that, I have miserably failed tonight. But I want to encourage you to take time and to listen and to obey the voice of the Lord. Listen to what God is calling you to do specifically. Listen for that voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. And that takes discipline. It takes time. It takes intentionality to be able to hear that voice. You know, we, we see in Scripture that God doesn't speak in the big, loud voice. He speaks in what? The still, small voice, the whisper is how God often speaks. And so sometimes you, you have to sit in, in silence. Sometimes you just need to get away by yourself and just spend time with the Lord before you're able to hear, before you're able to clear the distractions of this world. You know, the distractions of this world so often are so much louder than the voice of the Lord in our lives. And we have to discipline ourselves and position ourselves to be able to hear that voice and to be able to obey it. If you noticed, pretty much any time the Lord spoke to me in this entire journey, how did he do it? Through my daily Bible reading. You know, I started a new plan at the beginning of this year. I'd never done that plan before. Uh, and I'm, I'm walking through it. I walked through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice uh, in the year. Uh, it's about four chapters a day. I had no idea that things were going to line up and that God was going to speak. But you know what? God knows exactly what I was going to read on the 17th of January. He also knows what I'm going to read seven days from now. And he knows that 10 days from now, I'm going to need what I read seven days from now. The Lord is really good to when we follow him, when we hear his voice, when we take time and we have the discipline of prayer, when we have the discipline of scripture reading, when we build those disciplines into our life, the Lord will speak to us. And then the question is, here's the big question. When the Lord speaks, are you going to obey? Are you willing to do, like Mary said, whatever Jesus tells you to do? Whatever Jesus tells you to do, are you willing to do it? What if it's uncomfortable? 
What if it's weird? You read the Old Testament, God called his prophets to do some pretty weird things in the Old Testament. You know, it makes me want to take kneel and pray any day of the week. But if God calls you to something that might seem abnormal, might seem weird, are we willing to do it if God calls us to do it? Are we willing to say, God, I'm, I'm simply your humble servant. I will only do that which I ought to do. And I'm going to follow you. I want us to close. Um, I've got a song I, I want you guys to, to listen to. And uh, we're going to put the words on the screen as we do it. It's a song called Take My Life. It's an old song. Uh, it's an old hymn. It's about, the whole concept is, Lord, take my life, and whatever you want to do with me, do it. And the question is, are we willing to live like that? Are we willing to live with our life, our lives with our hands open to the Lord? Are we willing to say, Lord, here is my life, take it. Whatever you call me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And as you listen to the song, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is God calling you to do? What is your next step? Maybe your next step is, is to fast on, uh, for something for a certain amount of time. Maybe your, your next step is simply to obey the Lord and reading your Bible a little more consistently. I want you to ask the Lord, what is my next step? In just a few moments after the song, Derek's going to come out and close us. And, and then before we leave, you're going to have one opportunity last to go back to your tables. And I want you to be able to answer that question with the guys at your table. What is my next step? What is God telling me to do?